you have your Bibles, we're going to go back to the book of First Chronicles, chapter 15, this time, chapter 15 of the book of First Chronicles. Last Sunday night, we attempted to preach. I think I screamed more than I preached, probably. Kind of felt like that little boy that went to church one day and he came home and announced to his mom that he wanted to be a preacher. She said, okay, that's fine, but what caused you to make that decision? She said, well, he said, well, I have to go to church on Sunday anyway, and I think it'd be a whole lot easier and better to stand up and yell and shout than to sit and listen. So I'm, I'm just, um, sometimes my passion gets a little bit the best of me, but I do feel very strongly what the Lord has laid in my spirit. But I would like for you to go back with me and look at First Chronicles chapter 15. We read from chapter 13, which was David's first attempt to bring the ark back into Jerusalem and how it ended in failure. But in the 15th chapter, he gets it right. And that's uh, that was the title of my message. Let's get it right. Let's do church God's way. And I want you to notice what happened this second time. And David made him houses in the city of David and prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched for it a tent. Then David said, none ought to carry the ark of God but the Levites. For them hath the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God and to minister unto him forever. And David gathered all Israel together to Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord unto his house. He had a mob, he had a multitude, but this time he had the right things in the right place and God blessed him. And David gathered all and David assembled the children of Aaron and the Levites, which were the priesthood and the ministry. And it names the sons and their descendants and those that were involved. You go down to verse number 11. And David called for Zadok and Abiathar, the priest, and for the Levites. And all of them were assembled. In verse 12, and said unto them, You are the chief of the fathers of the Levites, Sanctify yourselves, both you and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place that I have prepared for it. Verse 13, for because you did it not at the first, because you didn't get it right the first time, the Lord our God made a breach upon us. For that we sought him not after the due order. But we're going to get it right this time. And so the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. And the children of the Levites bear the ark upon their shoulders with the staves thereon as Moses commanded according to the word of the Lord. And David spake to the chief of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be the singers 
and instruments with instruments of music, psalteries and harps and cymbals, soundings by lifting up the voice with joy. So the Levites appointed, and he names all of those that were appointed for the job of singing and worshiping along with all of the other things that were going on. And the Bible said in verse 25, So David and the elders of Israel and the captains over the thousands went to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the house of Obed-Edom with joy. And it came to pass... When God helped the Levites, when God helped the Levites, the first mention of them bringing the ark back, there was nothing mentioned of God helping them. But now that they've got the order right, now that they've got the right ingredients, the Bible said that God helped the Levites that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, that they offered seven bullocks, and seven rams. Second Samuel says that they did that every 27 feet. They would stop and offer their sacrifices. And that is how they brought the ark back into the city of Jerusalem. I want to talk to you again tonight about getting it right and doing church God's way. And everybody said amen. I need you to pray for me right now. Will you help me? Amen. Reach over and take your hand of somebody next to you and let's pray together right now, God. We are asking you to lay your hand upon us, our mind and our spirit and our thoughts, God, that you would bring together every one of us in this building tonight. Let us be captivated by the word of God. Let us be nurtured by that word tonight. And let it transform our lives and our thinking. Let your will be done. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I want to begin again tonight by reiterating what I said the last time. That. I am not here to beat a drum or to grind an axe. I am not here to preach against something because I don't like it. I am not here just to be an old fogey. And I'm not here just to be or represent a dinosaur generation. I am not preaching because I am mad. Please do not confuse my passion For being mad. But when it comes to the things of God. And when it comes to this house. It stirs something within me. And it causes me to want to make sure. That I get it right. Because I want the blessings of God in this place. I want the blessings of God upon you. And I recognize that there are a lot of things that we can do. And call it church. But really we've not had church until God has shown up. And when God shows up, then we can say we have truly been in the presence of the Lord. I am not against the improving and the advancement of our church. In doing all we can to present ourselves 
in a better way. I am not against improving our presentation of the gospel. And I am not against new ideas and new models. But I am here to tell you tonight that more important than our presentation is the power of Almighty God. And I could have the perfect presentation, but be absent the power of God. And I would say that it would be a poor thing to see. But if we can somehow engender God to want to come and be a part of what we are doing here, something powerful is going to happen and lies will will be transformed, not because of us or what we are doing, but because of him. Amen. I've learned this much about church, that our presentation can be perfect. But if there's no power, who cares about a perfect presentation? We have failed. We must have the power of God in our midst. Our stage presence, we hear a lot about that nowadays. And by the way, I I need to stop and put a little little asterisk to my sermon tonight. I I think most of you know this, but I'm not on Facebook, and I probably don't need to ever be on Facebook. And I don't ever plan to be on Facebook, but I'm not up here preaching against what somebody put on Facebook or what they... I don't, I I very rarely, if ever, go sit down and watch a video of somebody else's church service. So I don't care what they're doing over there. I don't care how they have church over there or what they do. All I'm concerned about is what goes on in this place. I am concerned that when we come together, that it's not just us, but there's a God of glory that comes down to be with us in this place that he can Reveal himself to us and show us his great power. And so we hear a lot nowadays about stage presence. But my stage presence can never be a substitute for his spirit visitation. And I would take a visitation of his spirit over stage presence any day of the week. Amen. Men are obsessed with what appeals to man. And we have, pardon my reference, but I believe that we have dumbed down church so that it appeals to our flesh and not to what really needs to appeal to. And that is the spirit that is within us. Amen. And little is concerned about what God wants And we give all to what we want. And I tried last weekend to explain to you the difference between David's first attempt to bring the ark into the city of Jerusalem and its failure and his second attempt and its success. And I reiterate to you tonight the things that David had going for him. David had done a lot of things that would appeal to men. And if by modern standards, we would have considered him to have every ingredient for success. All our present measurements are used to determine success. They were there in that setting. He had a multitude. He had a crowd of people. 
If we measure our success by the size of our crowd, I feel like we are not measuring well. The Bible says if we measure ourselves among ourselves, we do not well. A crowd does not guarantee God's presence. And if what we are doing is unacceptable to God, a crowd is not going to sway him in one manner. The crowd is thus not a good measure for us to guide or gauge our services by. The measure is, does God show up? Is God in that place? And if God is there, two or three will do because he said, where two or three gather in my name, there will I be in the midst of them also. They had pomp and they had show. And that ought to bring the blessings of God, but it didn't. They tried what the world had done, and it didn't work. And we can never do what the world does and think God is going to be pleased with it. If we are not careful, we can have the sound, but not have the substance. Amen. We can have the glitz, but missing the glory. I can do personally with a little less glitz and a little more glory. Amen. Now, it's not that I don't like glitz. I, I do. I, I do. I, I do like nice things. But I would rather have the glory of God in this place and be robed in linen ephods and common garb and exalting him on the throne and letting it be known that he is the one that rules and is supreme. And so they had all that. They didn't impress him, though, because he has angels to serenade him. Amen. I'm going to get to some of that in a little while. But Isaiah got a picture. God spoke to Isaiah about what God thought about what was going on at that time. And it was very reflective of the day in which we now live. The third thing that he had going for him was he had great music and great talent. They had the art but they were missing the anointing. They had the giftings, but there was no glory. The Bible says that they danced before the Lord with all their might. I looked that word up in the Hebrew, and the word indicates the flesh. Everything that David did, bringing that ark the first time, he did it in his flesh. But when he came the second time, and he danced before the Lord... There was a whole different atmosphere because now it wasn't about David, but it was about God. It was about what that ark represented. And when we forget about ourselves and we begin to rejoice because of who's in our midst, the king of glory has come in. The king of glory has entered into our midst. God will do great and mighty things. And so David failed, first of all, because he consulted the people, but did not seek the favor of God. And we have made church too much about personal references and not enough about God's reference. And we must be careful that we do not fall into that trap. What we do around here is not about us. It's about him. 
And if they had sought God as diligently as they played before him, there would have been a different outcome. You see, my enthusiasm will never do more than my intercession can do. Intercession and prayer is what was needed. And evidently between that first attempt and his second attempt, David must have found a prayer room because he discovered God's plan for how church ought to be. Amen. And the first thing that the Bible said he did is that he got the priesthood back in the right place. Read it again with me in First Chronicles 15, 1 and 2. He called, he said, I didn't do it right the first time. But I, I, I've talked to God and I've read the book. And I found out how God wants it done. And so he brought the priest. The first time the priests were evidently there. But they evidently were in the rear of the procession. They were not in the forefront. And they were not in the lead. And God said that's not how I want my church to operate. I don't want that to be in the background. I want it to be in the foreground. I want it to be what leads you. Not what follows you. I want to help direct your path. I don't want you wondering where to go next. I want you to know this is the way. Walk in it. Amen. And so they put the priest in their proper place. You see, the priesthood represented the voice of God to the people. And in our time, I believe it represents the word of God. And so God said, if you want my blessings on this, you better make my word preeminent in what you do. It needs to be what directs you. It needs to be what leads you. You need to get your governance from that book. You need to get your direction from that book. You need to get your inspiration from that book. Not from YouTube. Not from what's most popular out there on the internet. Not what's happening at the concert, but you need to find out what I want in my presence and what I want in my house. And that's why you need this word. That's why you need this book out before you. You need it leading you into your future, not following behind you. The word of God is not an add-on. It is the supreme and important thing in my life. Everything we do leads up to what I'm doing right now. This is the most important thing going on tonight. The Word of God. Because the Word is what gives life. Everything else we do is leading up to that. All of our worship... All of our singing is simply creating an atmosphere where God's word can find soil that is receptive. The worship is a time for digging up the heart and the soil of the soul. And then the preached word of God can find a right place to fall. And that's why this church is going to be founded on this book. And this is going to be what leads me. Not what scholars say. Not what all of the the, the so-called experts say, but what does the word of the Lord declare concerning his house? Amen. 
the first endeavor, the Bible said that the men of war were brought to the front and the men of the word were put in the back. God said, that's not good. What I need are men of the word out front and men of war can go back there. God would have you know more about the word than how to fight. Amen. Let me read something to you. Isaiah chapter 66. And if you can throw it up on the, on the screen, I'm reading from the message translation. Isaiah chapter 66. I'm going to begin with verse number one. And in the message, it begins like this. God's message. God said, I have something I need you to tell my people. And this is what I need you to tell them. Heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. So what sort of house could you ever build for me? And what holiday spot could you reserve for me that I don't already have? Amen. Amen. And so here's his decree. Now God, here's his message. Now here's his decree. He said, all right, this is what I want you to understand. This is what gets my attention. This is what attracts me. But there is something that I am looking for. A person simple and plain, reverently responding to what I say. The the King James Version says, they tremble at my word. God said, that's who I'm looking for. And then he goes on to tell why he is not pleased with Israel. He said, your acts of worship are really acts of sin. Your sacrificial slaughter of the ox is no different from the murdering of the neighbor. Your offering for worship no different than dumping pig's blood on the altar. Your presentation of memorial gifts no different from honoring a no-God idol. You choose self Serving worship. God said, this is the problem with you. This is why I am not in your presence right now. Because you've made church about you. And you have pushed me out of the equation. If you want me back in your midst, make church about me. Make your worship about me. Make your love about me. Make your desire about me. Amen. He said, you choose self-serving worship. You delight in self-centered worship. Disgusting. Amen. I want to tell you tonight that it may please us, but if it doesn't please him, we have failed. Amen. And so he said, I choose to expose your nonsense and let you realize your worst fears because when I invited you, you ignored me. You were too busy with your little act, your little presentation, your stage presence to even worry about my presence. And you made church about you. God said, if you're going to make church about you, I think I'm going somewhere else. Church, 
I don't want this to be about us. And I love talent. I'm thankful we're blessed with a lot of talent. It's evident. And I am appreciative of that. But if I have to go back to get my guitar out, which I started with, and that be the only musical accompaniment we have, and we get back to learning what it is to worship God, not because we're being stimulated by the right music, but because we are being stirred by something inside of us that we want to get in touch with God, that we are more interested in His approval than we are in having all those other accompaniments. We need the blessings of Almighty God on this place and it will start when we elevate this word and let it become what leads us in everything that we do amen you can be seated for just a moment amen we need men of the word and men of worship more than we need men of war amen our efforts must be word centered not emotion driven and I understand that's a hard thing for us Pentecostals to understand. I love my emotions being stirred, but my emotions will play tricks on me. My work emotions will lie to me. My emotions will tell me I'm doing all right, but the Word of God is a revealer. The Word of God is a sharp and two-edged sword, and it pierces even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and it gets down to the very thought and intent of the heart, and it knows me better than I know myself. And what I need is that Word to dig deep into my life, and I want it to have the preeminent place. I want that Word to always be able to speak to me. I don't ever want to come to the place that when God invites me, I'm too busy doing my own thing to respond to Him. Amen. The third thing that I noted about them when they came back this time, the Bible says that they had a cart the first time, but the second time the Levites were to carry the ark. That's because that's how God had set it up in the beginning. You see, the cart was the Philistines' way of doing it. That was the world's way of doing church. The cart and the new ox. But God's way always involves men. Levites. Men that were called and chosen to carry this thing, and make it move forward. Amen. You hear me tonight. God appointed men to carry this. God works through men, not machinery. And too much of our churches have become a programmed machine that you can push a button and it starts at 10 o'clock sharp and it's through at 11 o'clock dull and God is somewhere else because he said, I'm not interested. I want to be in a place where I have the freedom to move. I have the freedom to speak. I have the freedom to work. But I want you involved in this. I want you to help carry this. Amen. I'm not interested in a push-button church. This is not a machine. This is the priesthood of men and women. 
that God wants involved. He wants us involved in what he's doing. He didn't want me just sitting back observing, coming in and not being moved. He wants me to feel the weight. He wants me to feel the burden. They said the Ark of the Covenant weighed about 183 pounds. And there were four Levites that carried it on those staves. They felt the weight of it. You and I need to feel the weight of this when we come into this place. That this is a chance. This is an opportunity that we cannot squander. And we need to make sure that we give it our very best every time we come. Some people think I'm a little radical. and I probably am. But I preached like this when there were 15 people in a storefront building. Amen. Because I'm not preaching just because of who's here. I'm preaching because of who's going to be here. Amen. Amen. It will succeed not because of well-oiled organization or system, but because you and I have involved ourselves in the service of the Lord. The, The fourth thing that David failed to do in the first attempt was that there were no sacrifices involved in what they were doing. There was no blood. There was no offering up unto God those things that the Scripture says are a sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord. They had music. They had singing. But there was no blood that accompanied the procession. And God was not pleased. I know it's outdated. And I know that in some places it is not to be spoken. But I promise you that as long as I stand behind this pulpit, the blood is going to be talked about. The blood is going to be preached. The blood is going to be magnified. The blood is going to be talked about. The blood is going to be sang about. The blood is going to be honored. We're going to reverence that blood because it was the precious blood that purchased my salvation. It was because of the sacrifice of Calvary that I am where I am right now. It's because he was willing to die that I could live. And I am not going to erase that from my memory. I'm going to sing about the blood. I'm going to preach about the blood. I'm going to dance about the blood. I'm going to rejoice in the blood because the blood is what cleanses me the blood is what delivers me amen 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 you see Israel had been so long without this element in their life that they forgot that it was God's appointed way sacrifice is part of living for God We can never leave the blood out of what we do because it is the blood that makes atonement. It is the blood that cleanses. It is the blood that conquers. It is the blood that reconciles. It is the blood that redeems. It is the blood that gives us victory. If we eliminate the blood, leave that out, then we are leaving out the life of the church because the scripture says that life is in the blood. Amen. Church, I don't want to be around an assembly where there's no life. 
So if we're going to have life around here, we're going to have to have a little sacrifice. We're going to have to have a little blood. There's going to have to be some things that we give up, not because God's being mean or vindictive, but simply because He is worthy of the sacrifice. That's what makes our talent and our giftings truly powerful, is the anointing that comes. It is the blood of Jesus Christ that gives us that power and gives us that anointing that we need. And we must never, never come to the place that we can have church without mentioning the blood of Jesus. Amen. I am thankful for the blood. I am thankful for the blood. Makes me white as snow. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You see, if we're going to have church God's way, we're going to have prayer. The first preeminent thing that we're going to do, it's going to be a prayer-driven church. Number two, it's going to be a word preeminent church. It's going to be a word church. It's going to be a church where the word is magnified even above his name. Amen. Amen. Some of you don't even know that's in the Bible, but he said, Thou hast magnified thy word above thy name. We talk about the name of Jesus being the most powerful thing on the, in, in the world. But, but the scripture says he has magnified his word even above his name. That tells me that if his name is powerful, this is even more powerful. And so if we're going to talk about the name, we've got to also talk about his word. And it's got to be there all the time. And if we're going to have a church that God is pleased with, it's going to be because you and you and you and you and everybody sitting here are involved in some way and you're not just spectators that come to an event but you've come for an experience amen let's stand together amen church we got to get it right we've got to get it right there's got to be a a savor of sacrifice that goes on around here amen because he did it he gave all amen he was not a He was not going to withhold anything from us. And because of that, the Bible said that God came and God blessed. They rejoiced. They went home with great joy. Oh, the blessings of God. Nothing can take the place of that. Amen. I don't ever want to get to the place that I figured out how to have church without God being there. I don't ever want to get to the place that I learn how to preach without God's anointing. And you say, that's not possible. Oh, yeah, I've, I've seen people that can do that. They could operate with the anointing. They could operate without it. I don't ever want to trifle with that. It's a, it's a scary thing for me. I tremble every time I come to this pulpit. I tremble every night when we come to pray. Because I know I need a word from God. I don't need just to play games. I don't need to to entertain you. I don't need to be just a funny man. We need to have a visitation of God. We need Him to come into our midst. And I know that there's some places God just not going to show up. When we make church about us. And we make it self-centered. God said, I'm not interested in that. 
But I tell you what I am interested in. The man that trembles at my word. The person that is so conscious. God, you've got to be here tonight. We need you more than we need anything else. And we seek after him. We feel after him. He said, I am going to be in the midst of them. Amen. That's what I want. I want all of the other things. I'm, I'm pleased. I, I want a big, I, I want a crowd. I love, I love big church better than poor little church. I can tell you that much. <laughs> I like this a whole lot better than I did preaching a 10 in a storefront. But this isn't it. There's more than this. There's a multitude more, but that's not what we're going to judge our success by. What we need to judge our success by is did God show up? Did anybody receive the Holy Ghost? Did anybody get baptized? Did anybody repent of their sin? Were there any miracles that happened in the house? Was there a word from God that was spoken? Was there a true word that came forth? Or were we just entertained? This is what he said to Timothy. He said, preach the word. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come. When they will not endure, they will not accept sound doctrine. But after their own lust, they make church about them. The lights have to be right. The mood has to be set. The presence has to be there. The presentation has to be perfect. He said they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. One translation says telling them what they want to hear. But Timothy, this is what you need to do. Preach the word. Elevate the word. Magnify the word. Make church about the word. Make the church about me. Make sure it stays about me. Not about you. Not about your personality. Not about your giftings. But about me. And if you'll make church about me, I can take the most warped of personalities and I can use them to do great things. Amen. He did it with Peter. He did it with Simon Peter. Nobody had a more warped personality than he did. But God was able to transform him and when he opened his mouth and began to preach, this is what they said about him. These are ignorant and unlearned men. But we perceive something. They've been with Jesus. Amen. Amen. 
So if you have a little critique book out about how well I preached tonight, go ahead and put it in the trash can because I really, it, it does, I'm not here to be graded. I'm, I, I, I don't want to grade on your nerves, but I'm not here to be graded. Because I'm not on trial tonight. We are. We're on trial tonight. Whether we're going to respond to this book. Whether we're going to be more interested in what God has to say about what goes on here. Than what we want to go on here. And I want to make a commitment to you. As as your pastor. That if I ever fail. To make church about him. You have the right to remove me. Amen. I don't ever want to get to the place. I don't want us to get to the place. That we feel good about doing it ourselves. I need the hand of God on me. I need his blood. I need His blood. I need sacrifice in my life. I need to carry the weight of this. I need to feel the burden of it. Amen. I need to understand that every time we come together, souls are in the balance. Sometimes you snatch them out of the fire. That's how close they are to slipping into eternity. But I don't ever want to make church about us. I want it to be about Him. That's why we're going to sing about Him. That's why we're going to sing songs that exalt Him. We're going to sing His Word. We're going to sing about His name. We're going to sing about the blood. We're going to sing about His power. And it may not be perfect pitch every time. But get over that. Let's see if we can entertain his presence a little while and allow him to move into this place and settle upon our hearts and transform our lives. And if we can do that, we've had church God's way. Join me, if you will, in closing right now at the altar. Amen. Hallelujah. God, help me tonight. Not just to beat a drum, not just to make a lot of noise, but God, from the sincerity of my heart, let me seek after you, because I want church your way. I want to do church your way, God. I want church that will please you. I want my activities that are involved in this thing called church to be pleasing to you. I want what I do, God, in this place to pass your approval. I want it to be about you, God. I want it to be about your glory. I want it to be about your power. I want it to be about your blessing, your favor, your goodness, your mercy. Oh, hallelujah. My God, I love you today. I love you today. I love you today. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord.